Welcome to A Better HR Business, the podcast that looks at how HR consultants and HR tech firms grow their businesses and how they help their employers to get the best out of their people. Remember, for show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hello, welcome back. Thanks for joining me again today. Good to have you along. I'm really looking forward to today's conversation with Brian McComack. Brian is the CEO and founder of an amazing business called Hummingbird Humanity. And it's got such a wonderful headline. I love it. It's amplifying the voices of the unheard. And we're going to get into how Hummingbird does that. But firstly, Brian, hello, and thank you for joining me. Hey, Ben, thank you so much for having me. It's it's a pleasure to be with you. Brilliant. And whereabouts are you calling in from? Today, I'm calling in from Tampa, Florida. I'm spending a few days with my parents. Nice, nice. It's a nice sunny day for you? Uh, well, it's still uh, it's still dark here. We're, we're starting a little early for Florida, oh, uh, but I'm uh, but the weather has been beautiful. So this is uh, <laughs> this is that time of the year where uh, Florida isn't too humid, which, yeah. which is nice. Yeah, good to avoid that stuff. Yep. So folks, Brian is a diversity and inclusion consultant, speaker, author, and facilitator with over 25 years of experience in DNI, HR, change management, internal communications, talent development, and employee experience. Brian, you've done it all. Brian has worked in leadership roles at companies that include the Walt Disney Company, L'Oreal, and Christie's Auction House, and his experience spans a diverse variety of industries from fashion, retail, hospitality, auction, entertainment, media, et cetera. And he's consulted with organizations in technology, financial services, media, and not-for-profit. Wow, Brian, you have been busy, I have to say. So thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Yeah, I don't sleep. So that's how I do all <laughs> of those things. I mean, because I'm only 30. So uh, yeah, I've, uh, I've really been fortunate to have a, a fantastic uh, career. And, yeah. uh, you know, I always knew I was going to, um, or I guess I believed maybe mm -hmm. I was going to become a consultant. And I wanted to have a lot of different experiences before I moved into the consulting space. So I, I'm really fortunate for everyone who gave me an opportunity to, to learn and grow. That is brilliant. Yeah, I love it. So yeah, let's start. Can you just give us a, a quick snapshot of your background and then what led to the formation of Hummingbird Humanity? Sure, sure. Well, one thing that you you won't find uh, on really probably anywhere online anymore is my first career was in uh, movie theaters. I, uh, oh. I worked for AMC theaters for 10 years and I was in that business uh, when megaplexes came on the screen. I opened yeah. the second megaplex with stadium seating that ever existed. Wow. Uh, so that was a, a fun career. And uh, I, uh, I, I loved working, you know, running movie theaters, but I realized that I wasn't going to want to work um, until 6 a.m. on a regular basis at some point in my life because <laughs> uh, uh, movie theaters stay open pretty late. So I um, um, got my master's degree um, from the University of Central Florida and moved into HR and uh, I've spent the last almost 25 years now in various uh, human resources roles. Um, if you can, as you've, you've already noted, if you can name it in HR, I've done it in some way, shape or form. <laughs> I won't claim to be great at all of it, but uh, uh, but I've had a, you know, the opportunity to explore HR in, in many ways. Yeah. And about eight years ago at the Walt Disney Company is when I moved into um, diversity and inclusion. Um, my, uh, my boss there, a wonderful woman named Buki Famosa, Buki said to me one day, Brian, you're a great HR person, but I think you're a diversity person. <laughs> and uh, she um, she got me on the Corporate Diversity Council at the Walt Disney Company, which uh, led to the work that I do today, uh, where I try to combine my 
um, experience and understanding of HR and business with uh, the, 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 the learnings I've had about diversity and inclusion um, and, uh, and try to bring that to, to organizations through the work we do at Hummingbird. Yeah, absolutely. And it's good that you've got that diversity of experience because it then informs the decisions and the guidance. And, and even I, I'm assuming the, the challenges that come with influencing and creating change, lasting change in organizations, you need to be able to talk the talk in terms of the HR, change management, L&D, all sorts of stuff, not just um, one segment of one component, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, and I, I appreciate that you you picked that up. I, you know, sometimes what I say is really what my expertise in is expertise is in is in change management of how do we drive organizational change and I do it through different lenses whether that's company culture or employee experience or org design um, and now I really drive uh, or attempt in my best you know in my best efforts to drive change through the lens of diversity equity and inclusion um, and uh, you know that's something that I um, hope is well I hope that there are, are others doing this um, uh, in the you know in similar ways to what we do at Hummingbird uh, but one of the the, the challenges I, I find with uh, some of the the DEI work that happens is it, it, it is missing some of those perspectives on um, um, how organizations work um, and how change happens. Uh, so it, it, you know, many of us will have heard that sometimes DEI feels like something else rather than part of, mm -hmm. and it really does have to be part of everything we do. And, and so that's what we try to, to infuse in, in the work we do at Hummingbird. Yeah, absolutely. So I said earlier that uh, Hummingbird is all about amplifying the voices of the unheard. So let's talk about Hummingbird humanity. What do you folks do? What's the actual business structure and what do you provide to employers and employees, I guess? Sure, sure. Well, I'll start with just, um, uh, you know, a, a bit about the how Hummingbird started. Um, you know, so about, I guess it's almost two and a half years ago in fall of 2019, I left uh, my last in-house role in corporate, uh, corporate America, um, where I was the global head of inclusion and diversity at Tapestry, which is the home of coach Kate Spade and Stuart Weitzman. Uh, great company, great opportunity, loved um, the time that I had there. And I just felt like I had an opportunity to uh, to make a difference um, in more workplaces and, and impact more humans. So I decided to, to take the, the leap uh, to consulting, which of course in fall of 2019 seemed like a good idea. Um, in uh, March of 2020, it seemed like a terrible idea uh, when, uh, when the pandemic hit. Um, and uh, you know, at that point, uh, organizations in March of 2020 had stopped um, investing uh, very quickly in DEI. That was uh, the, the, you know, the first budget item that got cut in the HR space. Uh, so in May of 2020, I, I launched Hummingbird really as a, as an opportunity to stay um, in the conversation in the marketplace. Uh, so we launched Hummingbird with a, a uh, converse, live conversation series called Hope, Heart, and the Human Spirit. And um, and then in June of 2020, after um, George Floyd's murder, um, which tragic, um, but opened um, the eyes of so many people in, in different ways that it hadn't, uh, and particularly those in corporate leaders, I started getting calls in June of 2020. And that's where Hummingbird was really, um, really got its start. And so today what we do is uh, we help organizations, um, a big part of our work is in the diversity, equity and inclusion space. Uh, but we also, um, you know, because of my background and um, the, what the, our beliefs uh, is, uh, we help companies with their company culture efforts and their employee experience efforts. And our twist on 
um, on this work is, uh, you know, I, I can play in the strategy space and the philosophy space and the how do we think about this space, which is fun. I love those conversations, but we really try to always begin with the, the person in mind, the human in mind, the individual in mind, and um, build the, the strategy and the efforts we take from there, which is where the amplifying the voices of the unheard comes from. Brilliant, brilliant. So the actual services, you've been quite, I don't know, specific or, or clever in the way you've structured things. You've got, um, there's a DEI, a DNA assessment, and then there's the listening sessions and empathy circles. There are diversity learning circles. There's ERG design and development. Can I ask, how did you choose what to do, how to structure it, how to slice and dice what you do, uh, almost to package that up so it's more understandable? Is that what you've done? And can you explain what services you offer yeah yeah it's i will fully acknowledge that it it happened organically uh so we started with uh you know what what do organizations need um so you know something we say when we um start talking to a potential client is um you know we don't do plug and play or here's you know here's the box that we're going to pull off the shelf and we're going to apply it to your company so we you know we we just uh, evolved our services based on what were the the challenges that our clients were facing and um and also how do we think about it through the lens of what we believe in so the the dei dna assessment uh, is the um is our commitment to starting with the voices of the employees at your organization the organization of our clients we always want to make sure that what we're what we're delivering in the work that we do meets the needs of that specific group of employees, that population. And we try to meet our clients where they are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the reality is in the DEI space, different companies um, and different groups of humans are starting from different places and that's okay. We just want to, we want them to be on the journey and we want to help them wherever they are on that journey. So we start with that DEI DNA assessment as a way to really get a good understanding of where the employees are and where the organization is on their DEI journey. So then we can build a plan. Um, yeah. And that's the way we've really tried to think about it is we assess and then we plan um, or strategize. We use the strategy word that many of us, uh, nice. some of us love and some of us say it's overused. Uh, and then we um, can help with the implementation and, and some things that we aren't the expert at uh, in the implementation space. We have uh, partners that we can, we can work with as well. Yeah. Uh, and that, that framework, um, I would love to say that it's like the most innovative framework. It's a, it's a fairly, it's a fairly straightforward framework that certainly other consulting firms use. Uh, but we've also found is when we, um, you know, as a new business, we've not been, you know, around for oh, just, well, it's just under two years now. If we skip the uh, assessment phase or then, um, yeah. and we don't, we don't confirm that the client has done their own assessment and yeah. um, we try to like show up and, and sort of uh, dive in at a specific point in the journey without doing that check. It doesn't, it doesn't work as well. So we, uh, we, we really try to make sure that um, whether we or the client has done that assessment, that, that it really informs the way that we do our work. Yeah. That, otherwise, it's just building a house on shaky foundations, right? So you, you need to get, make sure that's all leveled out. Um, and, and is that a set time period? And it's uh, you do the assessment or is it self-assessment questionnaires? I'm just curious how you structure it. Oh, sure, sure. Um, well, to some degree, it depends on 
um, some, you know, some of the organizational um, uh, influences and, you know, the size of the organization, how, you know, how quickly they are, you know, comfortable with moving. Um, but typically uh, our clients tend to be uh, small to medium-sized businesses under, under 500 employees. Um, and they tend to be in, uh, are, are the clients that we seem to really excel with are those that have a purpose orientation. So whether they're a not-for-profit or a for-profit with a purpose orientation, like one of our, our big clients is a for-profit in, uh, business in the financial service industry, but they build affordable housing communities. So they have a purpose orientation to what yeah, they do. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so we tend to work with small to medium sized businesses that have a purpose orientation. Uh, and when we do the DEI DNA assessment, uh, it takes about 10 weeks, uh, 10 to 12 weeks, uh, for us to, to do that assessment. And it includes, includes four components. Uh, we have one-on-one -on -one interviews with the leaders, the leader, the leadership team, and um, occasionally key influencers in this work uh, for, for driving uh, organizational change. Uh, we do focus groups. Uh, we deliver an electronic survey and we have a couple different versions of that survey. We have a, a small version that works in the more specifically in the DEI space. And then we also have a larger version, which is uh, a more, uh, more akin to an employee experience survey that you might see in, uh, you know, and in, in, in over the years uh, in uh, employee engagement um, approaches. And then we also look at company materials. So what is, what's on your website? What's on your social media? What are the, um, uh, you know, what are the materials you provide to employees that tell, um, tell the story about who you are as an employer? And uh, we then collect all of that information and synthesize it and, develop um, you know, a perspective on what's working, what's not working, where do you need to go? And that is really what helps us uh, define uh, how do we start where, the, where that group of humans is, where that organization is, and take them on, on the journey to creating a more diverse, equitable, and inclusive workplace. Nice, nice, very nice. Uh, it's very comprehensive. And I'm guessing that there are plenty of side benefits. It's not just DEI related because when you're going to be having focus groups, one-to-one -one sessions, electronic feedback, things like that, um, you're going to uncover things about communication flow and even just you'll probably discover that the procedures are broken and stuff like that, which will then affect clients or customers and cash flow and all kinds of stuff. So even though you focus on a particular area, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you uncovered certain other things. Is that fair to say? That is absolutely fair to say. And the, <clears throat> excuse me, what's interesting about that survey is, um, and, and I think that's part of where, uh, you know, I've been able to uh, continue to develop my, pers develop my perspective on um, DEI and how DEI work influences um, organizational change and company culture is, uh, yes, you know, that's the entry point. The, the language we're using is let's do a DEI DNA assessment. Uh, but in large and, and, and a, and a, in a significant way, it is really about what is the culture of your, of your company? Yeah. Um, it's just through the lens of DEI yeah. and understanding how different, um, you know, individuals from underrepresented or marginalized communities, how they're experiencing your company culture. Uh, and you're right, you know, that the, some of the, 
the insights we have are about how, let's use my identity for, for a moment of how, how LGBTQ plus individuals are experiencing your company culture, but the company culture isn't specifically driven by individual experiences. It's driven by leadership decisions and communication and, um, and how you're designing your benefits packages and, uh, and what you're doing to uh, create an environment where everyone feels they belong. So it's, um, you know, it, it is, it isn't about the, the identity, it's about the culture but the two of them intersect. And I think that's really the, you know, one of the ahas that I've had uh, over the last few years is, you know, I was an HR person for a long time and I've done more employee engagement survey uh, deliveries than I can count. And I've analyzed them and synthesized the data and created plans. And, um, and uh, you know, I, I want to believe that I did good work. I, I think I did good work. What, I, what I've also come to understand, and this is that aha moment, is up until a couple of years ago, when I was analyzing survey data, it was always synthesizing the data at the population, um, uh, from the population perspective. So the organization, the function, the department, the team. Mm. What happens though, is when you take it from that lens, from that big picture lens, you sanitize or uh, take out the individual experiences of individuals that are from from you know the minority groups in those populations because mm -hmm. the the larger population the typically white individuals typically white cisgender um, often straight individuals those are the, the those are the, the voices that get heard when you um, when you do that assessment so we try to flip that on its head and say okay let's let's understand the experiences of your employees through the for the through the individual groups so our assessment also includes, a collection of demographic data so we can understand what does what do your black employees feel what do your queer employees of color feel what do your employees with a disability feel and so that our our assessment um, does the uh, the analysis starting with those different lenses and we draw the insights on your culture starting with those voices of of the unheard that's brilliant yeah from from an, an, an analogy from a political analogy, let's say, uh, if you summarize the entire population uh, from political spectrum left, extreme left to extreme right, if you just average it out, everyone's slap bang in the middle, you think there's no crazies on either side or on any spectrum. Um, but yeah, to, to sort that out and looking at the, the demographics of the workforce and then looking at the one-to-ones, the focus groups, and yeah, slicing and dicing into the different categories. I think that's how you get a much more accurate reflection for sure. What are the, uh, the listening circles? So you've got listening sessions and empathy circles and also the diversity learning circles. They sound really interesting. What, what have you got there? Sure, sure. The um, listening sessions and empathy circles are um, really two versions of... Um, I'll call them organizational healing. Uh, you know, one one thing that we have found uh, that um, some organizations need, and probably more than some, uh, at at different points in time, is uh, just the ability um, and the support with listening to each other, hearing each other, uh, understanding the pain that uh, some of them, some employees are are, are feeling and experiencing. Uh, so, you know, we started as, um, as you know, many uh, others did in the summer of 2020 with helping 
organizations hear the hear their black employees hear what it feels like to be a a black person in the United States uh, hear what it uh, feels like to be a black person working in in a in a company an organizational environment um, and I'm I'm focusing on the United States and the reality is those experiences are um, you know of marginalized individuals happen yeah. around the world um, but you know the, it it really is just a facilitated conversation that allows for safety and allows for um, uh, for employees to to really share their authentic um, experiences as an individual from a marginalized community. <clears throat> Excuse me. The um, empathy circles are are similar. So typically, the listening sessions are uh, are guided around a specific um, group of, of of individuals. So like black employees, which was um, largely in the summer of 2020, and certainly those um, conversations are still happening today or um, the AAPI, the um, Asian American and Pacific Islander community, um, conversations around the hate crimes and how that's impacted those communities. So typically listening uh, sessions are uh, created to allow the individuals from that community to, to share their experiences. Empathy circles, it takes it to another place where it's more of a, a, a group of individuals sharing uh, with each other. And so it um, amplifies other, other experiences. The reality is that once you start the conversation and create space for real authentic storytelling um, and for people to share those those lived experiences other experiences start to bubble up in those spaces um, and something we've tried to borrow from in that um and those in, in though as we architect those spaces is you know from psychology and you know professionals that work in the the uh, mental health space as how do they create um spaces for uh, for sharing and for learning and for hearing. Um, so I've spent a lot of time in therapy. So some of it I borrow from my own experiences. Um, and uh, we actually have uh, one of our team members at Hummingbird uh, is a as a master's in um, psychology. So he helps to helps us to to craft those experiences. The diversity learning circles, or which we now call the DEI learning circles, we haven't we haven't updated all of our our um, our language on our website yet. Uh, is a ten week program where we take a group of, uh, typically it's a group of leaders or managers through a learning experience uh, where each week they um, absorb about an hour's worth of content. Uh, they listen, read, or watch um, about um, uh, you know, a DEI topic, which can include uh, topics like implicit bias or microaggressions, but we also um, have um, weeks that are focused on white supremacy and company culture and the patriarchy. And uh, we come together as a group each week for 90 minutes and have a facilitated dialogue around that content we've absorbed. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it's a really powerful and sometimes difficult journey mm -hmm. that uh, those employees go through. What um, it's really focused on, though, is not, um, you know, we, we, try, we believe that uh, that understanding and awareness is uh, a cornerstone to driving change. And we won't be able to, to learn and absorb and understand all of the things about all of the different experiences. All of, you know, amplifying the voices of the unheard is a is a commitment that will never be done, and we'll never know all the things. Um, so that program is really focused on driving a foundational understanding and awareness that we we do as individuals and as humans have different lived experiences. And then really, and then focuses on how do we build the skills and capabilities to have meaningful 
respectful dialogue and conversation to understand how our experiences are different so we can really see each other and respect each other in ways that that we that we may not have before um, because most of us didn't grow up in a world that taught us how to have those conversations so it's a it's largely a skill building course uh, that um, by the end of the of the 10 weeks um, we find that the participants are really able to have those conversations um, in a in a respectful thoughtful um, engaged way um, and even if they disagree, that's okay. We don't we don't say that everyone has to agree. We don't uh, say that uh, you have to uh, leave the program with these beliefs. Um, it's really about how do you leave the program with the the ability to hear and and listen and and see others through a different lens. I love it. Yeah. And again, the, the impact would be so huge. But I also imagine that there are major flow on effects. You, you cannot help but have a a, a more communicative team of leaders, frontline leaders, et cetera, going through that program who, when they have a problem, a work-related issue, they're going to communicate much better with the people they've been going through this program with uh, on the diversity side of things, but it's going to affect their work in a much more positive way. They're going to be a much more cohesive team. Is that, would that be accurate? Well, that's certainly our hope. Uh, and uh, I do think that, I, I, I do think you're, you're, um, assessment there is accurate, uh, and I'll, I'll share a specific example. Um, in week one, uh, we uh, provide foundational tools, frameworks for how to have respectful dialogue. One of those is a tool called Practice the Pause. Uh, Practice the Pause is um, something that uh, I've learned in, in my work and my own, uh, my, men my own mental health uh, and, uh, and just how I, how I react and live life. Uh, and so as, as much as hopefully I'm coming across as a very even, calm, centered person today, occasionally I have emotional moments. And, uh, and sometimes my, uh, you know, what, what happened over the years is my, uh, emotions. My sister would say, Brian, you're a very sensitive person, uh, which I, I love. I think that serves me well, but yeah. occasionally it, it, uh, it can be a bit of a, an Achilles heel. And uh, if I let the emotion guide my reaction to a situation and uh you know many of us will have heard the you know don't say something you can't take back yeah. um you know I'll, I'll say something that uh, is driven by emotion didn't have the the thoughtfulness and consideration that i'd like and then it takes a lot of energy to like okay how do i walk that back how do i apologize how do i make it right <clears throat> practice the pause is a is a way to um, uh, to to just take a moment to, to to take a beat before reacting, and it's uh, led by five questions. Uh, does it need to be said? Does it need to be said right now? Does it need to be said by me? Uh, can I say it with uh, care, love, and respect? And can I say it in a way the other person can hear me? Mm. Um, and usually, when I um, when I use practice the pause. Uh, as a tool, it um, certainly helps me avoid creating moments that are, um, you know, aren't, aren't the intent or that I would, you know, would would want mm. that where they create harm or, or pain or or discomfort and and uh, and allow me to make sure that the way I show up is aligned with my values. So we teach this um, this tool in that first session of the the DLC. Uh, what we have, and it's it's interesting how many. Um, 
for me, it has been interesting how many leaders really find that to be a profound uh, a, a profound framework framework for them to lead and manage. And uh, to your point, uh, you know, it started for me uh, you know, using that framework as a way to manage emotion. Uh, and and by the way, I think it's okay that I have emotion and that you have emotion and that we all have emotions. Not a cyborg, workplaces. No. What was that? You're not a cyborg or something. No. No, no. We're we're, we're human. We're humans and we have emotions and and those emotions come with us wherever we are. Um, so that's where it started from for me. But what I found is that leaders see all of these other perspectives on how they can use practice the pause. And what uh, one of the the uh, the perspectives that has that I've really found interesting is leaders have said that it uh, helps them manage and lead better. So it helps them focus on being curious, on focus on listening, focusing on allowing space for the people that they're managing or leading. Um, so I do think you know back to where you know where you you your your thought was. Uh, I do think it helps teams to be better teams um, and leaders to be better leaders. Uh, it isn't only focused on the DEI component of it, although that is certainly the the, the, the core focus. Uh, it has other, other, you know, the learning has other impacts. Yeah, yeah. Can I shift the focus for a moment uh, to, to you as a business manager, a business leader? Um, when a CEO or a CFO looks at a budget, it's the age-old HR-related thing. Um, we have issues. We want to make improvements. We want to make changes. What will we do? And perhaps an HR leader is recommending that we look at some DEI programs or they look at employee engagement or let's improve our recruitment process, whatever it may be. And in the, the work you do and in the, your efforts to grow your business, how do you answer the question of why you, why your business offering versus something else? It's a it's a great question, um, and you know, first of all, I'll uh, I, I want to just acknowledge because as as I was listening to you, uh, you know, to to frame the question, uh, yeah, I was an HR person for my entire career, right? Yeah, and uh, and as much as I. Uh, tried to uh, understand the business, understand the various aspects of the business, understand the PNL, um, and uh, you know, because that's to be a, a truly effective HR professional. I believe you do need to understand how yeah. the business works, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I now I'm in the seat of I'm uh, a CEO. Um, some days I'm a re reluctant CEO because I <laughs> I'm still <laughs> I'm still finding my my grounding in um, and being a CEO and being the the actually responsible for the PNL in a way that I never have been before. Mm -hmm. So that is um, that's something that's been an interesting journey for me and and has helped, I think, to continue to inform how I think about my work with when I'm working with the clients we work with. Uh, so one of the, the the starting points for me though is I want to be able to say authentically, if I'm working with a client that I'm doing the things that I'm suggesting you do or challenging you to do. Uh, so how do we um, ensure that um, at Hummingbird, we are taking um, taking our own medicine, if you will, uh, what does that look like? Um, and uh, so that's a, I think that's a starting point for me. Uh, we, when we're talking about the DEI work and how we are um, encouraging our clients and the, the leaders we engage with to, 
to, to take these steps forward. Uh, we have uh, one of the phrases we use is good for humanity, good for business. So, um, you know, I would love to, um, for, for leaders just to say, this is just the right thing to do and we should do it. And, um, and I do believe that by the way, that it is the right thing to do, that there are, um, you know, that organizations I believe have a responsibility to create environments that are respectful and inclusive uh, to everyone. And uh, so that's, that's a belief that I have. That said, I get that as business leaders, we have to make decisions that are responsible. We are, you know, uh, you know particularly, uh, it, well, I guess it's true for every organization, whether you're a privately owned organization or a publicly owned organization, there's a responsibility to a stakeholder who has a, a financial investment in that business. And they wanna know you're making responsible decisions that have a return on investment. What I believe, and, and of course there are statistics to back this up, is if you create environments where humans thrive, those humans then will be better able to create um, success for your business and drive, uh, you know, drive organizational growth, drive profitability, drive, um, you know, change that will be meaningful for your customers, your clients. So, um, so we try to find a balance in those conversations of like, hey, it's the right thing to do, um, and if if you just need the extra thing, uh, it's also good for your business. So let's uh, let's create a place where your workplace where your humans thrive and. Uh, We'll see how that that benefits the the success of your organization. Nice. Are there any particular aspects to your services that uh, employers typically go for first, and then move into a wider consulting project? The two. Uh, well, actually, I guess there are, um, and these are uh, the uh, the services that you've already uh, highlighted. Um, I guess two of them, and one of them um, I'll, I'll add here. So typically. Uh, we uh, we start with the the DEI DNA assessment, um, and even if we're starting with a smaller engagement that's not necessarily looking at organizational culture, we'll do some sort of assessment or evaluation to understand where where employees are. So that's often the starting point is that assessment, and we tell companies uh, we you know, after the assessment if you want us to help you and continue that work with with you, great. If not, we we give you as much as information as we can so you can take it and run with it, or um, you know, or or engage other partners, uh, you know, typically our clients say that they want to continue working with us after that assessment, but um, we really set them up for, um, for a way for whatever, you know, the next steps are that they feel are right for them. Um, so the assessment is, is one of the key um, ways that we enter listening sessions uh, is another. Um, typically those are ignited when um, there's a crisis moment, um, either in the context of the world around us or in something that's happened within the organization. And we are invited in to help um, navigate and facilitate dialogue to help with the healing. Um, and that usually leads to other steps. Um, and then the third is we have, a, um, as many firms will have, is a, a foundational course that we call DEI Foundations. Uh, and uh, it's a, a foundational program that uh, covers, <clears throat> covers the, um, the basics of what is DEI, uh, why is it? Why does it matter? Um, and uh, we focus on um, the human iceberg, uh, which you may be familiar with, and others will, will be familiar with as well. Which uh, is a visual that helps to illuminate the different visible and invisible experiences that we each have. Um, 
and then we talk about some of the um, ways to be an ally and some tools to be inclusive. So it's a it's a fairly foundational program, and that's often a uh, a program that people are uh, that our clients are looking for just to to get the the ball rolling. Yeah. Um, typically, what we try to do is um, if we have the ability to architect the the roadmap, is we'll do the assessment um, first, and then while we are building a strategic roadmap from the assessment, we deliver the DEI foundations training at the same time, because we want employees to feel like there is uh, movement and yeah, ongoing yeah. activity. Um, so, cause the, the roadmap design is very happens behind the scenes and employees don't see that. Yes, yes. Uh, so it's, it's a way to keep the conversation going in the organization. Um, and DEI foundations is, um, is, uh, you know, is, is, you know, everyone, every organization will need some version of that as they're starting their journey. So, um, so those are, those are the things nice. that, that typically the ways that we enter. Got it. And the foundations that's recorded or a live event thing. It's a live event. It's a live event. Yeah, you know, we ha we have not moved yet into the um, developing you know uh, video modules of our programs. It's something that uh, you know I think may happen in the next year or two with Hummingbird. Uh, but generally, we um, we deliver all of our programs live through. Um, you know, we we always have two facilitators in our programs and uh, two facilitators, and we really try to have the, those facilitators have different lived experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it's all, all live at this, at this point. Yeah. I live in the online world, I guess, but, um, I, I think nothing beats live and in person and, and secondly, it does embed the change you're trying to create. And, and from a business perspective, it, it's far more li likely to lead to more business and more consulting projects and things like that. So, um, yeah, I'm not suggesting you change it. Um, in terms of, uh, growing the business, what's worked for you in terms of getting new clients and what do you think you'd, um, do in the future? to uh, grow your business? You know, the, the client growth from Hummingbird has been really uh, driven by my network. Uh, I, um, my friend Eduardo, Eduardo Placer, who's the, the founder of Fearless Communicators, he has uh, said that uh, my superpower is that I'm a connector. Uh, and so, um, you know, and largely that for me is focused on how do I help others build connections? How do I make introductions? Um, you know, almost almost every podcast I've been on, I've I've reached out to the host afterwards, and I've said, "Hey, you really should talk to this these <laughs> two people because uh, I'm I love just making uh, making connections. It yeah. it brings me joy, and so I think that that uh, commitment I have to helping others make connections has served um, served me and served Hummingbird well uh, because uh, you know some of those people have come to us and asked for help and. Uh, I've been able to, and or they've, you know, they've suggested to people in their network to reach out to us. So that has really been the uh, the foundational uh, driver for growth at Hummingbird. What's been um, exciting in the last few months is we've started to have um, two other avenues uh, where that have have driven clients. Um, uh, you know, business development opportunities. So one is that our clients have referred uh, people in their network to us. Nice. Uh, and, uh, so that is, uh, you know, really one of the the you know the the biggest compliments I think we can re receive. Uh, so that's um, been a, a a new avenue. And then the other is 
uh, you know, of course, we have an online presence and, you know, you can find us if you do a Google search. Uh, and we actually just uh, just about a month ago uh, landed our first client that came from a Google search that uh, they found us um, oh. that way. And, uh, and we won the business, which uh, was a was a big moment for us. So I think we're starting to. Um, uh, to expand where our, our reputation and our credibility in the marketplace is um, is driving additional uh, business development leads. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's um, you know, I, I think this work is, uh, that we do is so personal and so it, it's emotional and it's, um, uh, and, you know, people really have to let you behind the gold curtain or whatever phrase you want to use. Uh, it's, you know, because you get to learn all of the the, the good, bad, and the ugly about our, the organization. So that um, connection uh, for, uh, you know, building trust and, um, and building uh, the, uh, and having the ability to say like, hey, I'm going to say some things to you that's going to, they're going to be challenging, that are going to be uncomfortable, because I'm going to help you understand um, how you can manage your organization or lead in a different way. Uh, you know, they, the organization and the leaders that are, are that are our partners, they have to trust us. So it doesn't surprise me that um, uh, that largely our, uh, our our clients have come from my network because there's a there's a trust component to that yeah. that um, is 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 inherent to the work we do. That and you mentioned the the types of clients or businesses that you're going for are of a certain size, but also they're purpose led organizations. There's there are certain values that seem to run through all of them. So that would naturally feed into you. Uh, you run webinars or hummingbird hour, I think. How do you find those? Do you enjoy doing them? I do. I do. Well, and, you know, you know, as I mentioned earlier in our conversation, the hummingbird was really started by uh, one of those, a live conversation series, which was at that time called Hope Heart and the Human Spirit. Uh, we now call it Hummingbird Hour, um, but it's you know it's my version of getting to play the role that you're playing right now, yeah, Ben. Yeah, I, yeah. I get it's a lot to more fun a, on this side. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and and of course I you know I love to learn about others, and I love yeah, to yeah. Um, you know to learn from others. So uh, so being the the host of Hummingbird Hour, I I do enjoy. Mm-hmm. Right now uh, we are uh, focused. So I have a. Uh, I still I still can't believe I can say this, but I wrote a book um, and uh, it's coming out this fall. Uh, it's called um, uh, Humanity in the Workplace. And um, tell us about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's uh, it, well, I, I'll share something uh, about Hummingbird Hour first in, in that I um, as we're tracking towards the release of my book this fall, we wanted Hummingbird Hour to or I wanted Hummingbird Hour to amplify other voices of other authors um, who are from marginalized communities uh, and the books they've written to, to make workplaces better. Uh, so that is uh, our current uh, Hummingbird Hour focus is those other authors and uh um, that I'm really enjoying. Um, and also just, we learn about, I hear about their journeys with bringing their books to the world, uh, but also with, you know, how they're, how they're trying to drive organizational change. So that's, that's a, you know, something I'm really enjoying right now. And my book is um, really synthesizing so much what we've talked about, Ben, is, is how do we think about diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts through this, um, I, I'll, I'm going to say this bigger lens of humanity, um, and how do we create workplaces where humans thrive, uh, and how do we think about the, the heart and soul of organizations. Uh, so the, the, the message is, is a, yes, it's about DEI, it's also about 
well-being. It's about how do we rethink our communication approaches, which um, historically um, communication approaches that are informed by white supremacy um, thinking uh, are very controlled. They tend to not be transparent. Uh, so how do we think about creating workplaces where we tell the story as it is um, and, and trust the humans that work uh, that the work at our organization to, um, to be uh, professionals and responsible with that information? What does that look like? Uh, so it's, um, it's my um, vision for how we can uh, do work better um, and uh, through the lens of humanity. So I'm, I'm excited about that, that yeah. book. Um, and uh, um, again, still can't believe that I, I, I can say that I wrote a book. I've been, as I say, I've been threatening to write a book for, for about a decade. So it's, uh, it's exciting to see it come to life. Well done. Well done. And do yeah, get back in touch when you go live. Um, Brian, last question. Why hummingbird? What, is there a symbol behind that? So I, um, uh, I'm a big fan of traditional greeting cards, because, uh, uh, you know, as you know, as we've, we've talked about, uh, you know, I mentioned a couple times, you know, we have moved into this digital reality where uh, we can all connect digitally and we can we can go through digital or recorded training and, uh, you know, so on, right? So everything happens electronically today. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm a big fan of the papyrus brand. If anyone else is a big papyrus uh, greeting card, uh, greeting cards, they, they have beautiful cards. As my mom would say, Brian, they're too expensive and stop buying their cards, but I think they're <laughs> worth every penny. Um, and uh, the hummingbird is the, uh, the, uh, the icon that papyrus uses. And they have this really beautiful message uh, that talks about how hummingbirds um, are um, a symbol of of joy and connection. And uh, when I was trying to think of the the name for um, for my business, I knew I wanted humanity um, to be or hum human to be in the the name in some way. And I happened to be reading the the why hummingbird for papyrus, and that's where it came to be is hummingbird humanity and. Uh, you know, the thing that has evolved for me as I've continued to think about this why, because of course I get this question um, on a regular basis, is I also think that hummingbirds are representative of um, the message that we're trying to, to deliver at Hummingbird to amplify the voices of the unheard. And that hummingbirds, I think, are, um, if you first glance at them, and uh, you don't know anything about the hummingbird, you might underestimate uh, the it, uh, underestimate the bird. It's uh, it's a very powerful bird. It can fly backwards. It's the only bird that can fly backwards. So there's more more than you can see there at first glance. And I think that's really the the core of the work that we do is uh, you know don't judge a book by its cover. Get to know the rest of the story. Um, so I think there's this other um, other why that's uh, that's materialized that I that I really appreciate. Brilliant. That's well, a great choice. I really love it. Brian, thank you very much for sharing your story and your insights and your advice. Uh, and I just wish you all the best with it. You're doing great work. So keep it going. Thanks so much, Ben. Thanks for, for having me. It was a, a pleasure to be here. Um, and uh, um, I'll be back in touch when, when my book comes out and yes. we can hopefully have another conversation then. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for joining us today on A Better HR Business, the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business. 
Thanks and see you next time.